0: Hello and welcome to the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast Series. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and I'm joined here today with Patty Balsili. We're recording today on the traditional territory of and Ajax First Nations, Dun uh, First Nation, and Ta'an Kuchin Council. Welcome, Patty. Good morning. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, so, Patty, tell us a little bit about your business, what it is that you do.
1: Sure. You know, um, uh, this would be uh, my second interview with you. I did this in June, I think, of 2020. Um, um, I would say that uh, being a consultant um, can cover, you can be a a specialist or a generalist. And sometimes it's just easier to say I'm a spy. So aside from that, um, as a management consultant, my areas of expertise and specialty are in community and organization development. So I, I covet governance and um, strong governance means great results Um, and tourism is a particular area. I've been working in tourism in Canada for over 25 years and so I've been, I've had the privilege of working with communities all over Canada um, and serving in a leadership capacity in industry and federal government in
0: tourism. Oh, I look forward to catching up with you again, because I mean, tourism, man, that's been a hard hit industry over the last couple of years. So it'd be great to get some of your insights. Yeah. Patty, what's your first memory of the pandemic? What was kind of your, oh, man, we're in a pandemic moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really know what a pandemic was. Um, It was March of 2020. Um, I had been on the road for three months advocating for a national dialogue about how we need to reposition. The value of the visitor economy to our community well-being. So January, February, and March, I was consumed with this work of building sponsorships and finding some um, pilot hosts for my for my project. Uh, I was in Vancouver, uh, staying at a lovely hotel right on the waterfront, and it was a ghost town. The airport was a ghost town. Um, the convention center empty. Uh, it, it it was it was like I guess what you would think an apocalypse would feel like and you don't really know what's wrong, but you know something's not right, Um, and so the purpose of my work in March was Destination Canada, and um, we were at our board meeting where. um, We blew off the agenda and just went to strategy, because we knew that things were changing quickly in the last eight hours. Well, and then it changed quickly in the next four hours, and then we spent a day, and the next day it was all out of the it was all out, off the table because things had changed again so drastically. That happened for four days, and what we left with, I'm sure, only stuck for a week. And, and I started to grieve. I was grieving. I, I knew, I knew there was something big about to occur. I didn't know what a pandemic was. We were talking in scope of six months max back then. And um, and I knew that small business in the visitor economy and tourism, you work exceptionally hard. You work in hard in all businesses, um, but with a, a sense of unsafety around a virus and um, the idea that the airport was empty meant there were not people moving, and where there are people moving, there's connections with friends and family, and there's connection to business. So that that was my first memory. Is um, I I don't know what a pandemic is, but I I'm grieving. I can't even tell you why, except that there was something
0: wrong, something
1: wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I know, interesting, you're like, oh, six months, there's been so many, like, what has been time over the last two years? I mean, it honestly feels like, even though it's been, you know, a year and a half, really, since we last interviewed, it seems kind of like yesterday in some ways, because time has been so fractured. Exactly, exactly. Um, What have you learned about your business model over the last couple of years? Yeah,
1: Um, we talked about this in the the first round. that business would move to online. Um, and most of us were pretty rusty about it. Uh, the interfaces of meeting remotely um, were a lot of apology for the technical and people moving their mouse around and trying to figure that out. Well, now we're opening chat rooms and doing surveys on the posts and there's five or six different platforms that you can do this stuff in and share. Um, the future of work generally is completely morphed And as it relates to my business, I too believe that those that are working in the knowledge sector, whereby um, I work from home or I can have an office, but my clients can be anywhere in the world, um, that has just become more accessible, more commonplace. Um, The idea of um, needing to be in person don't get me wrong, as an extrovert and a people person, um, I would always prefer and choose the in-person, but not only is this in this facility faster and efficient, um, meetings are more um, focused and um, you save a ton of costs in third-party disbursement, hotels, gas, food, et cetera. The downside of that is those that were selling hotels, gas and food and venues, um, have to reinvent themselves. I'm sure they're, they've done that. Um, so in my world, um, the idea of remotely means that my market can expand truly globally
0: and no one expects me to get on a plane. So interesting. It is interesting, Patty. And, and so you, your client base over the last couple of years, has that been largely Yukon or are you looking at sort of a Canadian or international client base?
1: Right, um, so over the last year and a half, um, it has morphed across Canada to Quebec, a couple of pro- uh, projects in Manitoba, um, connected to tourism, which is beautiful. Um, I did some public engagement in Western Nunavut in Kitikmeot region. So Western, uh, right beside Northwest Territories, that was right before COVID happened. Um, I, I, I believe that if COVID had not arrived, that work could have blossomed. So I'm bummed about that. Um, But the tourism dialogue and conversation with the remote interface has allowed me to have um, to create opportunities for sharing and helping across the country, as well as at home. Um, Yeah, I actually would
0: say that uh, it's been more national than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you learning about your your client base, your customer during the pandemic?
1: Um, you know, they're largely members of a team or employees or part of an organization. Um, and the degree and the level of impact or stress on workload and whatever that normal is from workspace, You know, before we started this call, we were talking about working from home and children and dogs, and maybe you have another person that lives in your house or the the dishwasher bell goes off. Those things are normal now. They're they're considered totally cool. In fact, people have probably bought more stylish, comfortable clothes since the pandemic. Um, I would say my clients, though, uh, that's not unique to them, um, that they would also have distractions happening around them. They also speak about an enhanced productivity and that the ability to have a little bit of flexibility and when they put their hours in allows them to feel more productive in their work life and at home. So it's really interesting. Um, Some of my clients are at very senior levels in large organizations. And because of this great resignation, whereby people in organizations are looking at this opportunity as maybe to do a shift or to take a pause from what they have done and consider a side hustle or to resign, you know, to retire early. Um, The impact has been that those that are left behind are picking up the slack of their job through COVID plus that of their colleagues at least one or twofold. Um, So again, the grieving piece, um, there are, many people with very reduced teams trying to hold together the visitor economy in Canada right now. And hold together is like the strings are stressed and the seams are are pulling apart. Um, Yeah, tourism will and it it remains the uh, hardest hit and the longest to recover. So I think that's, I think subconsciously where my grief was in March of 2020, it continues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a devastating blow. It really has been. Yep. Um, Patty, I've got to just pause for one moment. Speaking no of <laughs> no speaking problem. of working from home, I've got one ear to, to my toddler. So you know. just give me a second here. Sure. All right. Thank you for that, Patty. Um, so as a business owner and, and, you know, you're a leader in the tourism industry, what are you sort of learning about leadership during the pandemic?
1: Um, You know, I remember um, listening to um, podcasts and talking with leaders in Canada about having to reconsider that that it wasn't just going to be about the bottom line for tourism, but we also had to look after the health and well-being of our staff, our guests, and it wasn't like more than ever mental health and and the ability to balance and understand and feel safe. Those things um, came into the mix. So leadership was always about people and money, but in senior organizations, it largely was about the profitability and the prosperity and the growth. And now it's about stability and reducing the impact and you know trying not to get hit as much. Um, so uh, in non-government private sector and in nonprofit, I have, sorry, I'm gonna say that again. In the private sector, and the not-for-profit sector, I have seen a lot of flexibility, compassion, um, um, pausing to reflect, pausing to create space and looking to the bottom up for ideas and engagement and ownership. Um, in the government sector, um, you know, I wanna reflect on this for a moment, Carrie, Nobody has been a leader in a pandemic in our lifetime. In our generation, nobody has led pandemic anything in our lifetime. There are you know, forest fires and floods aside, um, the idea that leadership has to make decisions into a black hole and be right, uh, it's impossible. Um, leadership needs to really draw from strategy, long view thinking, Who will this impact? How will it be impacted? Did they do the right thing? I'm not defending any level of government or party or, but to say that um, I'm not sure I would have been able to make a, nobody has a crystal ball. So to those that are in positions of leadership where they have to make calls um, in hindsight, it would be very easy to be critical of some decisions, but in retrospect, uh, we're only, we only get to be that critical because it's after the fact, we can see the rollout and then we can blame somebody that disappoints me, but that's my, that's, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so it, it pro- may not be a popular view, um, but it's real. It's, it's very, it's very honest from my perspective. Um, yeah not that all decisions that have been made are justified at all. Um, but that the leadership at the senior elected level has had the benefit of no crystal ball and with one common goal, and this is the area that you work in and that is keeping the general community, the majority of the community over the individual safe.
0: It's been an incredible, uh, it's been an incredible couple of years for, for leadership and to, to uh, like you said, making those decisions without the, the certainty of being able to make them. Even thinking about that, um, what you're just describing when you first realized the pandemic was happening, being in that leadership role and pivoting, this is the information that we have now. And then, you know, minutes later, the information seems to change.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating. So, <clears throat> so those elected leaders, um, unlike in the private sector, don't have skin in the game vis-a-vis that pays their mortgage to the same degree as a business leader who without a crystal ball has to pivot with the available information that or they can't buy the insurance for their guests or they can't open because they have no employees or you know like it's 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 the same chaos
0: with a different uh, lens Mm -hmm. yeah um, you know, we've all had to adapt our businesses in some way to this new normal that we've been operating in. What adaptation have you adopted in your life that you've been most proud of, in your business or or societal adaptation?
1: Mm, uh, well, I'll quickly go first to the business piece to say um, the idea of feeling very versed and comfortable and how to engage in this online world um, and with the multiple platforms and their abilities or limitations has been fascinating. Um, And uh, if you're not there, then you're not there. So, you know, um, and in fact, you may have experienced this in your world as well. There's still going to be clients in uh, in my um, sphere of influence who don't have access to technology and the internet. And so we assume These are solutions, but we just need to make sure that we're considering all of the stakeholders and all their user abilities. For example, when you travel internationally, you have to do an Arrive Can or an Arrive Mexico or an Arrive UK uh, app. Um, In November, I took time out to leave the country, went to Mexico, Um, coming home, there were seven or eight steps with instructions at the counter in Mexico um, that feeling fairly versed, I was hugely overwhelmed. Um, There was security and masks and protocols and so on. And six or seven things you needed to do on here and have ready. It was extremely stressful. Imagine being a single mother with three children or an elderly couple that does, that's new to a flip phone or, you know, like I, these new adaptations are, are a real thing that technology is going to throw some people who might've been denying it <laughs> into it just to have, just to continue to live. Um, for my business, uh, for my, for my community and my work, it is just a, it is just, it is just an adaptation to you're not comfortable together. I'm okay with that. Um, you, you aren't going to host that, um, dinner party because you don't know who's coming. I'm okay with that. Um, we are in a pandemic, um, fighting it will only cause a bunch of cortisol we don't need. And, um, accepting it and figuring out instead then what to do. Uh, I think many people may have engaged or connected more because they couldn't do it in person. They have gathered in friendship this way with multiple people dying, dialing in. Or So the, the adaptation of, um, what's the word I wanna look for? Accepting and adapting. Um, the alternative only is to fight it. And you get it's it's bigger, it's, it's, this isn't about the Yukon or Canada, this isn't about a policy at the federal level or the territorial level, this is global, man. And um, so, yeah, I would love to say that in the fall we're seeing the end of this and a settling out of some long-term change Pre 2020, from pre 2020, um, that just has us more attuned with not only um, safety and hygiene and cleanliness, but also compassion and adaptation.
0: hope. but yeah, Patty, I hadn't even because I haven't traveled internationally since since the pandemic. But I, you know, you're always just worried about where your passport is let alone oh, no, you know, like these multiple, you know, like those, that's always that, that stressful thing. Like, do I have my passport, right? It's always that, and your plane ticket. Uh, but now, yeah, it's, you know, multiple okay. levels of-
1: There are at know, least I'm, five things you need to know. And are they in the right order? Do they have the right date? Did I need them printed? Do they scan? Is my phone going to die? It's, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's all, there's me times 2,000 people in an airport all feeling the same way.
0: Yeah that same level of stress. Oh, yeah, gosh. (laughs) Um, You know, so which of the public health measures have you found the most challenging over the last couple of years to, you know, to your business and and to what you do?
1: Hmm. Uh, You know, in the beginning, uh, the public health, the measure of um, wash hands all the time, sanitize, mask, gloves. Uh, The gloves thing was, uh, I, I had no idea that I could only use a pair of gloves once, throw it out and put on a new pair of gloves. And that just felt so wasteful. Um, So then it was that hand sanitizer piece where everybody's skin was, you could see the scales on the back of their hands for dryness. Um, In business, um, there hasn't been any, you know, I have a public engagement um, project coming up. It's gonna be in a community in the Yukon. Um, We have to have two plans. I have to have one set of communications that says, we will be in this venue. This is how we're going to manage those restrictions. So if we have refreshment, what it can look like, how many people need them to register, et cetera. That's plan A. Plan B is it's gonna go all online and here's the link. And how do we get the people that don't have internet access so that they can meaningfully engage? I haven't solved plan B, that question yet. Um, this audience particular, it will ha- may have um, significant restrictions to technology. So, um, yeah, uh, two plans, two plans. Um, I did a contract last year uh, within Yukon government, whereby I think we stopped and started three times. And in the end, we did it online. Um, the, the stress on the third party disbursements vis-a-vis hotels, venues, food and beverage um, Etc., um, is where the impact has been that we, not being hoteliers, can't appreciate, or us not being caterers, we can't appreciate. Um, but that start, stop, start, stop, start, stop is near impossible for an operator to provide service. So someone has to pay for it. That's-
0: well, the, uh, the former caterer in me just, you know, I mean, that, that was. That was my last profession before we, I had my baby and transitioned into mm. the world I'm in now. But I, I can't imagine that start stop and how impossible that would be. And yeah. I mean, even for many of us, I think the um, one of my early memories of the pandemic was the closing of the, the games, right? The in, in Whitehorse. And, you know, the big conversation was what to do with all of that food, because there was so much food that had been prepped and readied. And yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yep. incredible um, have you accessed any of the pivot or sorry any of the pandemic related supports uh, for yeah. your business yeah um,
1: I have um, as a consultant I am my own employee I incorporated um, the program that was eligible to me was seBA at the federal level so the emergency business um, program um, uh, when COVID hit and as I described, I'd been on the road for three months um, building um, support and um, partnerships and sponsorship for this conversation I was gonna have. I think I'd put out um, $20,000 of my own money and my time. And I had had some support pre-COVID from the uh, Innovation Fund at the, um, um, Entrepreneurship and Innovation out of the Yukon University. Um, but when that project stopped, and travel was stopped, and um, contracts that involved travel where we hadn't figured out how to pivot stopped, Um, I was trying to figure out, okay, what happens? And, And the projected revenues Cost of business, paying the accountant and the lawyer and the insurances, those never went away. WCB didn't say, oh, I know you haven't worked that much. We'll just take, you know, 30% off. They can't do those things. So those fixed costs of being incorporated did not go away, nor did rent and heat and lights and fuel and insurance. So um, Siba was the most beneficial to me. Um, uh, For my clients, I have seen... People maximize and really leverage and launch from some of those businesses. So I'm really happy about the supports that have been available um, in the tourism industry. For some, it has provided a some breathing room. Um, I'm still not uh, convinced that um, it won't greatly neg- negatively impact a large percentage of the tourism infrastructure in Canada. Um, so yeah, that's a sad story, but. So you're
0: just referencing like the, the Pivot or the Elevate programs that- were Or any of upon, the federal programs. Yeah, or the federal yeah, program.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, there's been great successes and great support uh, from those programs to small business and or startups. Um, and in spite of the funding and the programs that we have invested in, they've merely given us a chance to breathe, to catch our breath. Um, and this summer we'll be telling. Uh, what few people don't appreciate is that regardless of supports- most operators or properties would have received deposits, whereby they said, "Let's let's just defer it, and you know this will be over, and we'll have you next year." So they use those resources in 2021, whereby the guest is planning on coming in 2022, but they've already done their either down payments or their deposits, etc., and uh, that work just needs to forward. It's, there will be a cash reduction um, with a volume. Everybody is working so hard in Canada and in the Yukon. Um, Yeah, we just need
0: to keep buying local. (laughs) How are you thinking about your business differently, you know, for the the years ahead here?
1: Um, I'm uh, going to share something a little bit personal to say that um, my business is right here and right here. My computer can be anywhere in the world. The knowledge sector allows the mobility. And, you know, I've already raised my children and had the home and mortgage. And I have my bicycles and my stand-up paddleboard. I can go anywhere in the world. And so I'm considering what that flexibility looks like, maybe just for six months or a year, um, to what I could do with this gift of hiatus. Uh, of time um, that is an opportunity I may never be able to take again. So uh, I'm I'm using this idea of remote work being quite normal um, to considering Patty on the road. Hashtag Patty on the road. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. Um, there's a lot of the world I would love to see and explore, and I can work from anywhere with the internet. I can do anything. So. That's how I'm, that's what's going on. I've also been exploring um, some professional development, but I can talk about that with you in a moment.
0: Yeah, it was just, you know, have you taken up any new skills to position yourself for sort of the emerging economy?
1: Well, I feel very, very um, uh, literate in Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we also know how many different compartments in our car and purse and pockets we can keep masks. Uh, so that's a new skill. Um, no, seriously. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to use this time where even schoolwork is now online. Even the idea of going to a classroom versus, you know, doing an hour a day for an hour a week for a couple of weeks seems so accessible. So I, I actually proudly have before me here my UConn University continuing education. But I'm also taking an opportunity to see if there isn't some um, some, something that could satiate my curiosity that also has value to my clients and my work. Um, and so I've been looking at, um, somebody just planted the seed for me not too long ago about the anthropology of business. And, uh, and it is, um, fascinating, um, to consider not unlike how we do st- strategy in thinking about the community around us and some of those environmental indicators, but to look more deeply into culture and norm and its impacts to strategy and decision-making. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm very curious about that. And uh, you may find, you, I may find myself, um, I don't know, going to school online in the UK or Copenhagen. Um, it's yeah, there's, there's, the world is our oyster. And if we can spend the time, um, during these moments of limbo to nurture ourselves physically with adventure in our minds, uh, I think this, I think this feels like, I think it feels like we are approaching the end of a crazy period in time. And, um, and it may not be before us again, to consider um, the leisure of work remotely um, to the same degree. So, yeah.
0: You know, we've got this work ahead of, you know, we, we don't know when the, when the end game of the pandemic is, but we've got this work of rebuilding in this new normal or whatever this looks like. So what are you hopeful for? What are you thinking about as we sort of restructure, rebuild Yukon's economy?
1: Right. I feel a sense of talking about both um, being hopeful and and naive and (laughs) realistic. Um, And so uh, I am hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful that we don't have to wear masks in the grocery store. I'm hopeful that there isn't a need to protest against. Greater health for community. Uh, over the individual that we understand and are compassionate to, we are not islands. We exist in a community that require, you know. um, And I know that's not a universally popular um, lens. Um, Realistically, I think we're gonna be wearing masks for at least another year. Um, And uh, the safety and sense of travel uh, will increase but not in the absence of where's your vaccination and where's your mask? And if those things can keep us generally as a community safe and keep our economy going so that we can prosper, uh, I know that is not a popular view, but it feels like the most basics. Um, so I, realistically and hopefully are they clash a little bit. I would also like to say you know that that there isn't a need to, attack one another because we have differing view differing views. Um and that we certainly don't need to see insane rage and accusation when views are different. Mm -hmm. Um, That piece is heartbreaking. But I I remain in a place where I don't feel threatened because I participate in something that is about greater community over the individual. Um, That's my choice. And I have no judgment against those that don't. Um, and I want to travel and I want to work and I want to spend time with my 20 year olds who want to go to the bars and hang out with their friends in order to keep all that contained. We're
0: going to be vaccinated so we can hug. Yeah. And for those who are listening to this, maybe 20 years in the future, you know, we're, we're in the midst of this um, major protest that's happening in Ottawa over, over the restrictions. And it's certainly consuming the culture uh, and the news and and all those sorts of things uh, in the in the moment right now. So thank you to speaking about that.
1: You know, to that end, um, that initiative did start about love, and there there were regions in the country where there were children involved in supporting truckers. I remember when the pandemic first hit, Haynes Junction was one of the most prominent communities with the sign that said, "Thank you, truckers, for mo- moving our goods and services and keeping keeping us alive." Um, but to use a transportation analogy, um, this, this convoy, um, got away and there was no off-ramp for out of control. And, um, and I, yeah, they're talking, if they want to make a difference, they're talking to the wrong people and it's
0: only aggravating our society and, um, the, the, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's it's an interesting moment. This increased politicization of the of the pandemic. Yeah. Patty, do you have any advice for emerging entrepreneurs? I know, gosh, it'd be an impossible feeling to start a tourism business right now. But you know, what 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 are you seeing out there? Um, you know, I I um, have
1: the benefit of leveraging this national network of colleagues who I get to see doing some amazing innovation in the space. And and I'm also really happy to say that some of that innovation is happening here at home. Um, And so I'm gonna say uh, for emerging operators um, to uh, look very differently at what is possible through digitization. Um, uh, There is an operator here in the Yukon who has um, created momentum through exposure online that will beget Future customers and the engagement numbers are soaring because everybody is on their computer, um, and so it's brilliant. But at first blush, you wouldn't think that that would be a way to generate bookings for a year from now. But the the lifestyle storylines and and the way of being able to personalize something that might be on another continent, but then when you finally arrive as a guest, you actually know those people intimately. So. So I would say um, to really um, consider digitization strongly. Um, You and I both, Carrie, have been exposed to and and benefited from mentors and other entrepreneurs in similar spaces um, of generosity to share an ear or to brainstorm or to hold space so that you could map something out. For emerging entrepreneurs, I would say, build your ecosystem of mentors um, and advisors or those people that you're willing to buy lunch for once in a while, because you want that, to, that will provide that extra level of support in an ever changing time, particularly businesses in the similar sector that have been operating
0: through a pandemic time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, any shifts in your worldview, looking at things a little differently? I mean, you've talked about looking at them from the beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, worldview.
1: I, um, I think. I think you know. In light of what we've seen with the trucker convoy and some of the conversations about the presence of the Confederate flag or the Nazi star, the Jewish star, um, there has been a in-your-face reminder of what the people before us had gone through. And it very quickly illuminated, I hope for Canada, that First Peoples of the country, that is the most recent history of of having incurred personal impact from decision and life around them and suffering. And and so my worldview is hopeful for greater compassion for the people around us. Um, that didn't that's not a change but it it came front and center that I hope other Canadians and other businesses and other leaders can see that um, we are not islands and everybody has a story. Um, we knew mental health had a stigma attached to it. It is now. If there's still a stigma attached to it, um, to talk about it, um, somebody's not paying attention. It, it it's starting to in, integrate into our healthcare system and to work in schools and into families. Um, my worldview only has been reinforced that I I aspire for uh, a kinder and caring Canada, still, and um, and it feels amplified um, today, especially in light of um, the missing children that have been found in the unmarked graves across the country, coupled with the convoy, coupled with coupled with uh, people fear of losing their jobs. Um, we need to get back to a place that we can breathe and go, oh my God, we are so fortunate and we are together and we are here in this moment. We need to continue to make our country better, not pull ourselves apart.
0: Patty, what's been your wellness practice? You know, you just mentioned, you know, this ending, this stigma around mental health wellness, what's Mm -hmm. been keeping you grounded?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that since we first interviewed, I acquired a fat bike, um, which allows me to do my favorite thing, which is cycling in the winter too. And um, so between fat biking and getting outside for fresh air, those are all my, always been my anchor points. Um, to be in nature, um, and um, and I've also taken some steps. I allowed for myself to kind of ease up a little bit on the shoulds of life and health and nutrition and wellness during COVID. And at the beginning of 2022, I went no, no, it's time to make some shifts um, for best health and best self, and you know, open up a little bit to chase towards life instead of run from it. So I've started those. I've started some of those practices.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Patty. Are there any closing thoughts before we close out?
1: No, I'm. Um, I'm inspired that this uh, work um, contributes to um, a research angle and um, and that talking to entrepreneurs. Um, I'm not sure that this is happening in this way in Canada. And I love again that the UConn has the ability to um, do some really out of the box thinking. Um, maybe it is happening else, uh, other places in Canada. Um, but I, I, hope that we can provide some leadership and insight for the rest of country of the country as we, as we try and continue to recover through where we are with Omicron or whatever happens next. But, uh, thank you. I appreciate you.
0: Well, thanks, Patty. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Okay. Have a good day.